Hey everyone, and welcome to the Healthy is Hot podcast. I'm your host, Chloe Wild, entertainment reporter by day, sweatpant connoisseur by night. From hashtag to movement, we believe that loving all sides of you is what's healthy, and healthy is hot. Join us as we have raw, real conversations with badass individuals living passionate lives, thriving to make their dreams come true, and diving deep into how they got to where they are. And the best part? How health is a key component of all of it. From the highs to the lows, we get into it. From fitness to mental health to aspirational careers, get ready to be inspired. Also, we don't hold back. There might be swearing, there's definitely going to be some laughing, and hopefully you can take something away from these conversations to live your best life, to live your healthiest hot life. All right, so before we get into this week's episode, I just want to let you guys know that I recorded this in the middle of TIFF, and, um, which is the Toronto International Film Festival, which is uh, an 11-day marathon of films coming to Toronto, which means my work schedule was very busy, but I really wanted to record this episode with Mary Young during this time because it worked with our schedules. But as you're going to see and hear, I don't sound the healthiest, um, but I am on the mend. And in the you know, air of healthy is hot. Today's my first day off in a very long time and I am taking it for myself. Today is all about self-care and self-love and doing the little things that make me happy. And I feel like this episode is a perfect episode to air when I'm feeling like this. I absolutely loved talking to Mary Young. Um, if you don't know who she is, she's incredible. She built a brand of women's intimates at Ryerson University when she was working on her thesis back in 2014 and five years later her business is not only still here but it is thriving and it is so much more than the garments if you know Mary Young or you know her brand you know it's all about building a community self-love acceptance body positivity and also challenging the narrative of what society says is beautiful and that is such an important thing to be discussing and I love that that is truly at the core of her brand. Um, beautiful pieces, beautiful woman, and this story that she told me um, about an incident that happened when she was 16 and it stayed with her for seven years until she was finally able to come out on top totally blew me away. I don't want to reveal anything, but I didn't know this story and you can hear my level of surprise and shock. And so I'm so grateful to Mary Young for being so open and honest and vulnerable about a very difficult time in her life. But that difficult time in her life has led her to where she is now and now she is impacting women and men um, everywhere through her brand and through her message so I'm so excited for you guys to hear this week's episode with Mary Young. Thank you for doing this Miss Mary. Thank you for having me. I feel like I've been trying to get this scheduled between us for a while and you told me something that has resonated with me yes. because before this like it's uh, I'm so confused with days with Tiff. It's Wednesday? It's Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. Is it Wednesday? Okay. Yeah. So it's Wednesday. Yeah. And we're doing this in the middle of the day, which yes. is such a rare occurrence for me because usually when I record the podcast, it'll be like on a Saturday or a mm -hmm. Sunday outside of my Bell Media hours. But because of Tiff, I now have this like beautiful window of time. And I was like, perfect. I can hit up Mary. Because when I first reached out to you, you were telling me that you were trying have better work-life balance yes and if possible you would try not to do work-related things on Saturdays and Sundays yes which to me as simple as that sounds sounded so <laughs> difficult to it actually is. put into practice it's really really hard 
it's really hard. I, I still say it. And then when I looked at my calendar for this month, I realized I have three days off the entire month. So clearly the not working on weekends thing didn't happen this month, but I do, to the best of my abilities, try not to work on weekends. And do you feel a difference when oh. your schedule allows you to actually have those two days? 100%. Not only do I feel the difference, I can see it in how I look. <laughs> so it's really obvious my body thrives when I do give myself a break. Um, and it's really hard to do that, especially when you have something that you're passionate about, yeah. you are thinking about it 24-7, so you obviously want to be doing things that relate to it. I mean, when you can unplug, mm -hmm. what are your favorite ways to unplug? When you mm. press pause, I don't even know if you press pause <laughs> on the world of Mary Young, but when you decide to take a break yes, and be a regular human mm -hmm. that's not running this business. It's usually eating food. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Making good food. Uh, I don't always make the best breakfasts during the week. So on the weekends, that's one of my favorite things is to actually get up, have a slow morning, make a nice breakfast. I usually make a matcha latte mm. to go with it. That takes a bit of time. Oat so milk, regular milk? Almond milk. Almond milk, okay. Yeah, almond milk if I can, oat milk in my smoothies. So there's a lot of yeah. milks in the fridge. But having something that feeds my body to start the day yeah. and to do it slowly is one of the best things that I've learned that benefits me. Especially because I bet the rest of your life is mostly very fast-paced, mm -hmm. very scheduled down to the minute, that if you can relish that Saturday morning yes. matcha latte ritual, make it slowly, enjoy mm -hmm. it slowly, and then feel the positive benefits of 100%. matcha, which are next level. They're, it's amazing. I mean, what a beautiful gift you're giving yourself. I feel like I've won that day when I do that. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. It's the simple things. It and really is the little we, things. We like forget that, that sometimes... Like if I have a free weekend, which is a rare occurrence, sometimes I feel all this pressure to do these big grand mm -hmm. adventures and fancy dinner plans and let's rent a car and do this. And sometimes it's just the simple things I like to do. Like yeah. sometimes I just want to fold my laundry. Yes. I the same day I that I you did your laundry. I hate putting it away, but, <laughs> but I folding love it. folding it. I find it so therapeutic. Mm -hmm. So maybe we need to take more enjoyment in the little things The little in life. things in life. It's those, those moments that you can stop and focus on your breathing while you're doing something else yeah. and you're not trying to do five things at once. And it's harder in a city like Toronto. There is a million things going on all the time. If it's not a social activity, it's a new movie, it's an event, it's a launch, it's exciting, but it is extremely overwhelming. Yeah, it can be a lot. The energy in the city is both, I find exhilarating and exhausting mm -hmm. and finding that balance between it is difficult for me. I'm oh, yeah. either all in or I say no to absolutely everything. I have not found that balance. I, I go through waves of balance. Yeah. That's what I say. I'm never balanced, but there'll be a time where I'm focusing more on my personal life yeah. and then I swing back and maybe it's more social and then it's more professional, but it's never all three are equally perfect. I, I don't know if it's possible. I, I don't think it is. <laughs> and then I see friends that have kids and I wonder, how do you do it with children? I think about like that too, and I'm like, I have to keep myself alive. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even have real plants at home. I do, I and they're not thriving. <laughs> and like, sometimes I look at them and I'm like, you even need a little TLC. Yes, yeah, it's. I can barely feed myself three proper meals a day. <laughs> I will admit that I s often have popcorn for dinner because it's Stove nutritional. Top? Stove top with sea salt, nutritional yeast, and butter. Mm, I gotta it's try like that. It's like healthy. I do coconut oil, Ooh, kernels, yeah. and then usually I like a little flavor on top. Oh, but I've heard amazing. nutritional yeast is great. Phenomenal. 
because it kind of gives it it gives it a, is it a texture or flavor I there's a flavor i don't know how to yeah. explain it but when you do nutritional yeast with salt yeah. it's the best topping i've ever had on any popcorn as someone who likes to eat popcorn mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. i am so yeah. excited this is what you should do after the tiff madness but you know what popcorn is a treat that i don't often feel guilty about i never because do if you look at it, it's really nicely high in fiber, mm-hmm. which is great for the bowel movement. It's perfect for your body. You know, which I, which I always need help with. <laughs> it's got, like, the crunch and the salt, and I, the older I get, the less I gravitate towards sweets and the more mm-hmm. I gravitate towards, like, savory. Oh, true. It just makes me really happy. It's nice, and it's you, you can eat a lot without it being a lot of calories yeah. or food right, or give anything. me that six cups. Yes. Six cups, 180 calories, but who's counting? Yeah, no, not me. That's for <laughs> Have sure. Have 12 of you yeah. on. I don't mind. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Live your best life. Just lie in bed with a <laughs> bowl of popcorn, and yeah, you've, you've completed the day on a really high note. Um, so it's 2019. It is. It has been five years. Am I right? Five yeah, years? five th- five like coming up in October. We're really we've been planning our five year anniversary, and it's exciting and terrifying, and it's overwhelming. But yeah, five years. Five years since you were a student at Ryerson, yes. doing your thesis. Oh, good times and being a student. Birthed a child that is now almost five. Literally, I realized that you know during my school year that was almost nine months, and that's when I came up with the idea of the company. So I literally did have <laughs> a child in the womb for nine months. You know that you're a great mom. Like, your child's oh, you. doing well. Thank you. Yeah. Making friends. Lots of friends. Being positive. Always positive. Always giving back. Yeah. yeah. Like, you're a good mom. I don't thank know if you. you know this. I don't know if wow. anyone's really ever told you this. No, no one actually <laughs> has. So thank you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that on a sticky note on my computer so then the day that I decide to have children, yeah. I'm going to be okay with it yeah. because I already know that I'm a good mom. You've already nurtured. Yes. yes. You've dur- and dealt with all the obstacles and the oh, ups and downs. The terrible twos. They're real. <laughs> Not going to lie. In business, too. They are real. I mean, five years as a business owner mm-hmm. that's a huge feat I mean I feel like we hear statistics all the time about yes. people starting businesses and maybe they hit the one year two year who knows how many yeah. drop off but five the years yeah like, I don't want to tell you this but like it's here to stay. I, th- I think so. Yeah. I mean, knock on wood everywhere everyone yeah. who's listening please knock on wood but yeah. yeah it's hitting year five is something that I always strive for I actually hadn't looked past year five because a lot of a lot of business classes and accounting, yeah. you know, anything I've took, taken or studied has been, if you can get to year five, you can do it. I'm like, oh, okay, so that's all I have to do is just get to year five, and then I guess it's like smooth sailing. I don't think that's actually the truth, but if you get past year one, and you get your momentum in year two, and you hit year three, and you actually understand what you're doing, then year five is very possible, and hitting this milestone doesn't feel real, so when it happens, I'm definitely going to have a moment and some popcorn <laughs> and celebrate. And then now that you are approaching five, Mm -hmm. have you had a chance to think about what's next? I have because I'm a planner. I'm very type A and I like to write down my visions and goals of life, personal and specifically work. And so a lot of what we've done in the past five years has been molding something. It hasn't, what we started with is still very much what we do, but it's been years of reshaping, restructuring, rewording, understanding how to convey the messaging and where we're at right now is a really great stronghold of where we're going to continue to be and to grow over, you know, the next 5, 10, 15 years. I just love the way that women express how they feel mm-hmm. in the garments. Yes. It is so much more than an article of 
lingerie mm-hmm. or clothing or however you categorize it. Like what you offer women is a feeling. Yes, that's that's the biggest focus is for me, I never felt good in a lot of clothing, specifically lingerie, because there's this very strong messaging about how women have to be perceived to be beautiful and sexy and their body has to be one certain shape and that shape changes every five or 10 years based on what society says is sexy. So you're always told you're not enough. And my goal was to rework that narrative that we've been fed since we were young, young women. And that understanding that your body and its natural shape is already enough. Which is so simple. Mm -hmm. So So simple. But like when you first came up with this, Mm -hmm. did you get a clap back? I mean, because now I feel like we're living in a time where it's okay to feel comfortable in your skin and it's okay to have a different body type than Mm -hmm. what the media is telling you should be beautiful. But I remember not long ago, like that wasn't the case. Like you looked at women in ads, everyone was the same body type. Everyone was the same age. Everyone was the same skin tone. Same, same, same. It was just same, same, same. And that just wasn't reflective of Mm -mm. our society, let alone our community. No, it was, it was a really narrow depiction of what, you know, we as a society in North America really think is attractive and what we value in women. And it's been really great to see that shift happen. And I would say even two or three years ago, I would, you know, meet different women at pop-ups or email with different women. And a lot of the conversation was, I'm buying this for the weekend. So I'm at home. I can wear a bra that doesn't lift or flatten or make me look a certain shape. And now I'm meeting women who say they only wear soft cup bras because they're tired of having to put their body into something that isn't their natural shape. And it's really exciting to see that women not only challenged what they've been told, but are starting to believe that they have the right to choose for themselves rather than to follow something else. Oh my gosh, 100%. I mean, I know for me personally, I hated (laughs) the shape of my boobs when I was younger. Because we were told it was wrong. They were just, they weren't, they were just more like triangular and not so perfectly round. Perfect. Like I just, I didn't have melons. I like, mean, many people don't have melons. <laughs> and at 30, like they're just little triangles and they kind of look a little bit down. And mm-hmm. I was always very self-conscious of it. So I was one of those people that would wear a cupped bra, but mm-hmm. I wasn't comfortable in it. And I actually don't like the look of big boobs on my body. I'm mm-hmm. quite used to the size of mine. So then all of a sudden I'm putting on a bra that's shaping my boob into a different shape. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden I have a lift and I have cleavage, but I'm not comfortable with cleavage. Mm-hmm. So I was never happy in a bra. So I would often just wear a sports bra. Yes. A lot of women were wearing sports bras. And that was my comfort zone, except, I mean, I didn't <laughs> really feel that beautiful. I mean, I don't think I ever really feel sexy, but I definitely didn't feel cute in a sports mm-hmm. bra unless it was like to go for a run with my girls. But then you come along and I remember trying a very young bra ah. and I looked at it and I was like, not only is it feminine and beautiful and I had an edgy one, I had like the straps that yes. went around your body, yeah. but it didn't change the shape no. of my boob. And at the same time, they weren't jostling around. <laughs> yeah, and it was one of the first times where I was like, whoa, this is what they look like. And they don't look bad. Exactly. Like, why, am I, why should I be ashamed of this? Yeah. It's taking a moment to understand why you thought your body looked bad because of what you've been told looks good. Yeah. So it's having that conversation with yourself the way you would have with a friend. If a friend came to you and said, I don't like the shape of my body, you're not going to agree and go, yeah, yeah, you really shouldn't. You obviously are going to talk to your friend and say, no, what, what you're seeing is beautiful. And what, what you're believing is, you know, the messaging we've been fed and it's not true. And so having that conversation with yourself and trying something different. So trying not, you know, a shaped bra or padded bra yeah. or, or even underwire for that matter. 
and trying something and just seeing, and it's not going to happen overnight. No change happens overnight. It is, you know, maybe it starts with the weekend bra and it starts into the evenings and then, okay, one or two days during the week. And then suddenly you feel more empowered because you're, your natural shape, you're more comfortable in yourself and then you're more confident. And suddenly you don't want to wear something that reshapes who you are because you already see the value in who you are. And that value is high. It, very high. I yeah. love that you mentioned the, the talking about a friend because it's so easy to lift other women up. So easy. And I find it very hard for women to lift themselves up, mm-hmm. which is so silly because like for me, I can have a lot of very heavy negative self-talk, mm-hmm. even though it's something that I work on. Um, and I'll catch myself sometimes. And I'm like, fuck, I would not talk to anyone to anyone this especially way. not someone you love no i yeah. would not I, someone i don't even like i wouldn't exactly. say these things to because they're just they're cruel they're hurtful mm-hmm. they're they're spiteful like there's no need for that in the no. world and but i think being aware of it is important but it is. it's so much harder to be kind to ourselves than it is to be kind to other people and, and it, like it takes time it does yeah it's 100%. practice it's time it's patience and it's also loving yourself through making those mistakes so when you catch yourself being negative, instead of getting angry yeah. at yourself for being negative, you have to be patient and loving towards yourself and understand that it's human nature to have, you know, the same routine and habits of going in that dark place and realizing, okay, that, that cycle needs to be broken and it's, it's not going to happen overnight, but you need to keep working on it. Oh yeah, just one baby step at a time. Exactly. I mean, is that one of the reasons why you wanted to start the self-love club and it is the self-love talk yeah so the self-love club really came organically it wasn't something that I was planning on doing I was having a lot of one-on-one conversations with women uh, like I said through email and face-to-face at pop-ups and events and I was having these really beautiful moments sharing you know how it feels to be empowered in your natural shape and yeah. your natural self and then I realized a lot of women weren't having these conversations together There wasn't a community having this. It was everyone having these one-on-one, behind closed doors, not really wanting to be vulnerable in an open space. And the best way we can all grow is coming together. And so we powered the movement, the Self-Love Club, and it exists both digitally and physically. And it really is about opening that conversation of self-love and acceptance. And it's open to men and women. It's not based on gender. It's really challenging the narrative. We've all been told of what beauty is. And we start with body positivity, obviously having underwear and lingerie. It's an easy opening door. But we've delved into many other conversations from how you eat, your nutrition, your, you know, anxiety or depression, dealing with sickness and grief and all the things that we deal with in our lives that can you know, push you off a self-love track and more into a negative headspace and how you can love yourself through the obstacles that life will throw you. That initial talk that you hosted Mm -hmm. at Gladstone. Yes. It it all started with a photo that you posted Mm -hmm. where it was you rocking your gear. And it was a very honest and vulnerable caption. It was very hard. to. That was hard for me to do. And I I looked at it and I re-looked at it last night when I was getting ready for today. And I was trying to put myself in your shoes mm-hmm. of feeling what you wrote, which was, you know, four years ago, mm-hmm. not only would you have never taken a photo like that, you wouldn't have posted a no, photo definitely like not. that. And as an outsider, I see the photo and I'm like, beautiful woman, amazing garments. Mm-hmm. Like, why wouldn't she want to share this with the world? But for anyone that's had any insecurities ever, oh, you yeah. realize there's a lot more yeah. to that photo than what the eye sees. And so the much more gives people a little kind of look into that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was, uh, it was a hard thing to do, but it was something that I was encouraging our community to do. 
at the time, a lot of women weren't taking half-naked photos and posting them on Instagram. And we've obviously seen that change because women are feeling more empowered to share their narrative and you know the view of their through their lens. And I wanted to be an example to being vulnerable online and using a platform that can be a very negative space, but for positivity. And um, taking the photo and posting the photo was definitely, um, I was shaking a little bit. And then I went and had a two hour talk about that photo and my life and how I found self love and I really have grown in that journey. And it was probably one of the most healing processes for me to do that. And even still posting photos of myself doesn't happen often. But when I do, I always feel um, sort of like the sense of relief washing over me to let go of those little things that I'm holding on to, whether it's I don't like the way this looks or mm -hmm. I haven't been feeling great and maybe I haven't been eating well. And you think all these things add up to you not be good, not good enough to share or to talk about it. But at the end of the day, your life and your story is always worth sharing and people are always excited to listen and be involved. Yeah, and, the, and I think the, the beauty in sharing stories like that is you can share the moments on your way to mm -hmm. the destination. Exactly. Like the de if the destination is pure self-love, like every moment that you take to get there it's, it's just as important as getting there. Oh my gosh, and so much And being able so. to be vulnerable and to be like, hey, I'm on my way. Maybe I'm not there yet. But, like, I'm coming. And you know what direction you're going yeah. in. And that's such a beautiful thing to just be focused on the path you're on and understand that, A, you're not alone in that path. And, B, even if you fall back a few steps, you're still going to the same place. And you're still going to maybe not arrive there because I don't think there's ever a destination. Yeah. But you're going to hit different milestones and achievements. And you're going to feel so much growth along that path. Yeah. I've thought about that, too, where I'm like, I wonder if the self-love journey ever stops. I don't think so. And I was like, I really don't think so. No, I think the way that life progresses and the challenges we face, you know, as we age and as different things happen in our lives, it just changes. Yeah. It shifts to different aspects of what self-love can look like. Now, you were obviously very candid that mm -hmm. your self-love journey took mm -hmm. a while. Oh, yes. Because in that image, you referenced a place in your life that was four years prior. Mm -hmm. So how did you get to a place now where you were able to, even though you were shaking, mm -hmm. share an image like that and be able to do a talk on self-love? Because that's a very personal, yeah. difficult thing to talk about sometimes. It is, yeah. And I think with self-love comes the negative aspects that existed before that mm -hmm. love. And for me, I went through a lot of uh, chronic pain. When I was younger, I had a concussion that resulted in post-concussion syndrome. And I was 16 when that happened, and I actually lost my cognitive skills for about eight months. So reading and writing was nearly impossible during my grade 11 year. And I had a migraine that lasted eight months as well. So I basically woke up with a migraine and then wasn't really able to understand anything for the remainder of my grade 11 year. And at the time, there wasn't a lot of education on concussions. And so as much as I was seeing doctors and neurologists, the solution was to just heavily medicate the patient. So I was heavily medicated for over a year. At 16. At 16, yeah. And you know, if you ever spoke to my mom, she would attest to how she didn't even know who her child was because I was just not myself. Um, and it was a really hard year. I don't remember much of it because of being so heavily medicated. And I do remember my grade 12 year, I was preparing to go to school and I really wanted to make sure that I could go. And my doctors were very cautious about me even watching TV for too long or reading too much. And so I definitely said I was doing better than I was yeah. just so I could get the green light to you know, move on with my life. And I, s I was in chronic pain for about seven years from 16 to my early 20s where I had migraines for about 
15 to 25 days of the month and that was just very normal for me and so that was what my life was throughout university you know working part-time jobs interning things like that and it became so normal for me but within that there was so much negativity about my body mm-hmm. um I always relate as I'm a very visual person so I would imagine you know when I looked in the mirror it felt like my my mind and my body were two separate things that my mind felt betrayed by my body for you know causing so much pain I wasn't able to work out. I wasn't literally couldn't increase my heart rate for those seven years. I couldn't jog. I couldn't do anything at all. And so I felt very separate from who I used to be, which was a very active person, very outgoing, very social. And that wasn't necessarily who I felt. And it took, you know, a a rough conversation I had with a doctor who told me to basically drop out of school and quit everything and just focus on my health. And I realized that I had been listening to a lot of great advice, but I hadn't been listening to myself and what I knew I needed to do. So I really took a lot of time. It was a couple of years of really focusing on myself and my physical health. And I started working out against the doctor's wishes, which I don't always recommend, but it was one of the best things for me. And then I started doing sort of daily rituals of self-love where I really didn't like the shape of my body. I didn't really like what I looked like, but I forced myself to stand naked in front of the mirror every morning. Brave. Yeah. It was not comfortable the first like week or two, but every morning when I was doing my hair, my makeup, it wasn't, I got dressed right away and then did my hair and makeup. It was, I would do my hair and makeup naked and then I would actually tell myself that I look beautiful and I would look at myself in the mirror and make eye contact with myself and accept that what I was saying. And then after, you know, two or three weeks, it was a bit more comfortable and then two or three months. And then it got to the point where it's like, I love every aspect of myself Every step of this journey has brought me to loving myself more. And, you know, looking back, I don't know where I would have been if I didn't have to go through that. And yeah. if I if I didn't go through that, maybe I wouldn't be in a place where I love myself this way because I've seen what I can actually overcome and accomplish. Wow. I didn't mm-hmm. know any of that. It's very, it's a very in-depth, intense story. I actually did um, a very short TED Talk on it two years ago to explain the power of your mind yeah. because it really came down to... I chose to change the circumstances I was in. And there's a bunch of books that, you know, expanded to this much more in depth, but our mind is one of our biggest tools and we usually don't give it any credit for what it can do except for the negative thoughts. We never realize that the way that we can focus on things so negatively, we can also flip it and focus on things so positively. I remember when, uh, so before this, I was studying psychology and neuroscience Mm -hmm. at McGill. And I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but it was still long enough ago mm-hmm. that this whole concept of the mind having a really statistically proven impact on your physical state, like it was still kind of here nor considered there. like real yeah. science, but like there was some research coming out. But I feel like in the past little while, there's been so much, so much just in the scientific community, in the media, and it's not just in, you know, Mm-hmm. hippie type community alternative world you know what I mean like the the mind is a really powerful thing mm-hmm. and the fact that you were able to circumvent the medical system which wasn't working for you it, it was keeping you in a what sounds like a numb state yes. where you were not allowed to thrive but mm-hmm. rather they were just trying to keep you alive almost mm-hmm. but being alive is not it's not it's you're not, not living not living right exactly but like was there how did you even know to do that switch like to to start that Journey. journey. Yeah. So there, I actually was seeing um, a family friend of ours was also a chiropractor and he treated a lot of athletes with concussions. And so I was asking him, how come these, you know, pro, you know, NFL, NHL players are playing sports again? They, they just had a concussion. They blacked out on the ice, but yet, you know, it's three weeks and they're back on the ice. 
And, you know, we, he and I spoke about it many different times and there, there was science behind physical activity after concussion, but you had to watch how your body responded. And for me, it had been, like I said, seven years without any physical activity. So the, the memory in my muscles was so ingrained to do nothing, barely move and don't heal yourself. So I went to the, actually one of the very first workouts I did was I went to a Nike training club that was, I think this was like five years ago now. It must've been probably when we met I moved to Toronto six years ago. Yeah. So it was right when you moved here. Cause it was when they just launched their Nike training clubs in Toronto. And I was like, okay, a few friends are going, they say it's going to be fun. Why not? And it was terrifying. Shit. That time. Like I remember, I remember that year. I remember the media workouts. Mm-hmm. I remember the 15k run. Yes. I remember seeing you at all of it. Mm-hmm. And that was this it. was you. This was the beginning of the shift. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that was really, for me, it was a space to go and it was such a great community. Mm-hmm. And I, I wasn't the only person that wasn't quote unquote physically fit. And it was a space that it doesn't matter what your level was, everyone was welcome. And I was always scared to go to the gym or anywhere because I had no idea what I was doing. I had never quote unquote worked out. I just played soccer or I hung out with my friends and ran around. And now I'm 23 and I need to figure out what working out looks like. And that was such an amazing experience. And I felt horrendous after my first workout, (laughs) but I also felt this sense of, wow, my body can do that. And I can actually change how I feel and I can start to develop new muscle memory that is my body actually finding strength within itself. Physically, mentally. Yeah. And they go hand in hand. The endorphins, if you work out, if you run, like the runner's high is real. Oh. I dislike running, but That runner's high will get you going. It gets you back every time. You're like, (laughs) maybe another half marathon. Sure. I I signed up for one in October that I completely forgot to train for. So wish me luck. I did that and I only trained like six weeks. So you're (laughs) fine. Yeah. Yeah, You'll be okay. I think I'm on an eight week program. Perfect. How do you feel now? Like you're approaching five years of Mary Mm -hmm. Young. You're approaching five years. Mm -hmm. I just learned on this Like health. Journey. Actually being healthy. Healthy, both mentally, both physically. Like how do you feel now? Like are you pain-free or the migraines gone? I'm much, much better. Like it's, it's honestly, it's night and day. I have, I would say maybe two to four migraines a month, which to me is like, well, that's fine. Um, I have to watch my health. I have to watch what I eat. Uh, before I was, I had to be so scheduled with when I slept, when I ate, how much mm-hmm. water I drank. When your body's fighting pain, everything else has to be to a T organized. Otherwise your body can't fight that pain. And so now I get to travel and I'm not worried about traveling. I visit, you know, friends for a weekend or I fly somewhere and I don't have to go to bed at the exact same time every single day. And it's, it is still a journey because I'll, you know, find myself doing too much and regressing and then having to get back on track. But I pay attention to my body so much more. Like I could tell you what muscle in my leg is hurting or what organ feels a little bit off because I've now had to listen to my body so intunely. Which is probably really important, especially in terms of being the CEO Mm -hmm. of a business like this. You know, being the CEO of any business is probably exhausting and it's Mm -hmm. probably very easy to burn out, but you have to almost be on high alert all the time because of what you've been through, Mm -hmm. which has probably allowed you to do what you do. Yeah, it's definitely given me the ability to understand that I can always strive for the best but if I'm physically not well I can't do the best work and therefore the business won't be able to be the best it can be 
So there's sometimes that, you know, I have to step back and take care of myself. Last year, my health was really rocky and I spent, I would say, six to seven months trying to figure out what was going on. And the business wasn't my main priority then. Mm -hmm. And that's a reality of what happens when you're the founder of a company and you're, you know, the fuel in the tank for why it's going. But I'm better now and the business is better. And I can see the direct correlation of like our great months are when I'm doing great yeah. and our slower months are when I'm not doing great. So you got to put yourself first. Always. And you got to put your health first. Always put your health first. It's something I can't, you know, tell people enough. I always think of that age old analogy when you're in the airplane and the oxygen yes. mask comes down and you got to put it on yourself first. On Even your if first. there's like a cute little tot sitting next to you, yeah. you're still supposed to put that oxygen mask on yourself. First. Because if you don't, how are you supposed to be there for that cute little munchkin next to you? Yeah, you can't, or your you business. You can't or your do partner, anything if you're not taking family. care of yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, that you're very impressive. Thank I, you. I, you shared so much that I did not know about I'm you. A, I'm a deep, open novel with many chapters. I, I will tell it. you that much. Yeah. I love it. Well, maybe this will be ha- have to be conversation <laughs> one of many. Well, I'll get all the other chapters cracked open, ready to go. <laughs> Shit's going to get so personal. <laughs> very personal, very real, yes. Um, okay, well, just a couple more things, just mm. because you have had such a journey with self-love. You know, it's a difficult journey for some people to start. Mm-hmm. It feels daunting, especially if you are living in a state where you're being very negative towards yourself, yes. and you can't quite see how you can pull yourself out of mm-hmm. that. What's like? What are your top tips for, for starting that Ugh. journey with self-love? It, it's hard and it is possible. And like I said earlier, it's not going to happen overnight. But one of the first things I tell everyone to do is whether it's the top of your morning or the end of your day is you write down five things that you're thankful for. So looking at what you're thankful for, it doesn't have to be you. It doesn't have to be your health. It doesn't have to be anything personal. It can be that you got a Starbucks latte on the way to work. It could be that, you know, someone, one of your coworkers asked you to go for a drink after work. It could be something super simple. But the second you start to shift into looking at the positive in your life, it happens more naturally. So you start with what you're thankful for, and then once you get into a routine of doing that, the next thing is to write down five things that you love about yourself. And that doesn't have to be physical. It's not, oh, well, my eyes are this, or my hair is that, or my thighs are this. It can be your sense of humor, your caring, you know, loving self. All these different things are something to be recognized, and when you write it down, you believe it more. Is it it weird that I think five seems like a lot? Like, I'm thinking right now... Right, it's to say five things. Nice about yourself. Yes, it's really hard. One or two, easy. Yeah. You're like, oh, I always know that if I, if I get asked that question, I'm going to say my eyes yeah. or my smile. Yeah. But you don't really go into it and explain. And, you know, I've had, I've had conversations with many different women. They're like, oh, well, I don't like this. And it's like, well, that's not the point of this conversation. <laughs> it's what you do love. Not even like you love about yourself. And the more you say it, the more you believe it. And it's having that, you know, that conversation with yourself and then, The last thing is once you're getting comfortable to do those, have conversations with yourself in the mirror. It's something that is so important because you are making eye contact. You can't look away. You can't hide behind something. You have to face yourself. And when you're looking at yourself, you're going to start to acknowledge and recognize those things that you love. And then when someone gives you a compliment, you'll hold their eye contact when they compliment you and you'll genuinely believe it and say thank you. Rather than brush it off. Exactly. Or be self-deprecating, mm-hmm. which happens, I see that happen all the time. All the time. So five things you're grateful for morning and night. Mm-hmm. Five things you love about yourself mm-hmm. and have conversations yes. with yourself eye to eye. Yeah. And feel free to go naked if you yeah. want to. If you want to. Up the ante, Up just the ante, take it all off. Mary Young. Yeah. Or wear some Mary Young. Yeah, while you could do that it. too. It's mm-hmm. super cute. You should check mm-hmm. it out. And lastly, what does healthy is hot mean to you? To me, healthy is hot is I feel my best when I'm healthy. I've learned because I've had years of not being healthy. So 
when I'm my hottest version of myself is when I'm the healthiest. And so the, the second I put my health first, everything else, you know, follows in, in row. Yes, that's exactly what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, thank you thank so you. much. This was lovely. We should do it again. It was a healing, yeah. I five years? Can I come to the five-year party? You will definitely. <laughs> Once I know what it is. Once we'll we have it planned. We'll brainstorm. Yeah. And just like that, another episode of the Healthy is Hot podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Chloe Wild. A huge thanks to Home, this really cool modern meditation space in Toronto for hosting us and making us feel right at home today. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to subscribe so you never miss out on experience FOMO. Rate and leave us a comment and also follow us on Instagram at Healthy is Hot. But most of all, remember, healthy is fucking beautiful. We'll see you next week.